Hello and welcome to a Mall Life Podcast. I'm here with my uh, trusty sidekick, Don, and this is Dave. And uh, and we're just excited to get back together. This is the first time uh, where I'm with the guest and Don's far away. We usually have been Don and I together and the guest is far away. So uh, I don't know which way is better for me yet, but I'm gonna I'm excited to find out at the end. So how, well, how are you doing, Listen, Don? if you send me a ticket, I'll be happy to come to Atlanta or Nashville. I'll, I'll be right there with you if you'd like. Well, that, that, that sounds like future, uh, future plans for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Today, uh, I have the fortune I went to, I, I get to hang out with my dad, and uh, we get to invite him back as our guest, so welcome, Kevin. Just like a bad penny, he's back again. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, no, so we're excited. So, um, you know, funny thing is, last, our last podcast had some really good, uh, got some really good traction with our old favorite uh, favorite food court tenants. Um, you know, Hot Sam seemed to be the uh, the, the key favorite, so... Your, uh, your, your wife Don was 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 very fortuitous in suggesting that the fake cheese was good. So yeah, <laughs> apparently it resonated. Yeah, uh, the fact they even called it cheese is still somewhat questionable. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they've sold a lot of it, and they're still selling it in stadiums on nachos. So. Well, and and uh, but it's been it's been fun to see all the different uh, or hear all the different stories. You know, people saying that hot Sam's was the thing they looked for, or or the hot hot dig on, hot dog on a stick. In fact, I just learned something talking to my dad about hot hot dog on a stick, and I, I had I had no idea that that uh, that that was really his first introduction to the malls. Oh yeah, yeah. My I had a girlfriend that was working the counter at that, and she had one of those they had sort of a stripy uniform or whatever, and a fancy striped hat or whatever that they wore, and. I'd pick her up after work, and she still smelled like hot dogs. It was, it was, it was good. A match made in heaven. Yeah, it's just, it's just like you know, if only she could smell a little more like mustard, it would be great. <laughs> that's that's like living in that's like living in Milwaukee, where you know the the the, the four B's of Milwaukee were burgers, or beer, brats, bikes, and babes. Those are the four beers of Milwaukee. So the four B's. So <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, nice. Yeah, that hot dog on a stick, that had to be one of the more unique uniforms for people that were working. And it uh, it took a lot of courage to take that job because between mashing the uh, lemonade and, and that, it was, uh, well, I love it. It was a running joke on Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you remember, but they would talk about hot dog on a stick. And it's, uh, I guess there's still some around. But I don't think there's a lot anymore. Not, not nearly to the to the level that it was. Um, no, know. it's interesting how all of that evolved. You know, you we by the time our kids were in high school, Dave's brother was in high school. He's working at uh, one of these uh, fancy uh, ice cream places. You know, and with the marble slabs, with the marble slabs, <laughs> and we go in there and put dollars in a thing just to make him sing. <laughs> <laughs> best best way to do like, it, because like, okay, big boy, hit it again. Here's yeah. another dollar. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and of uh, and of all no. and of all of my brothers and sisters, he probably was the one with the least amount of carrying the tune in the bucket. Yeah. So, you, know. you, you know what's funny is uh, one of the things when we were looking at replacing a tenant, adding a new tenant to the food court. A friend of mine who owned a couple franchises, he had some Fridays and Western Sizzlers and a and a, a wing place that he started in his own. We sat in the food court for two hours and watched traffic. And I learned a lot from him because he was timing how long it took to take people through the line. And, uh, you know, when you, when you looked at it, the Panda Express was number one. They got people moving through so fast because as long as that food's coming up there. And the nice thing about Panda Express is usually the food was still hot because 
you know, they were cooking all the time. You, you didn't get uh, an hour old orange chicken. It might've been 10 minutes, but yeah. it had been yeah. kept on. And then the, uh, the beauty of the upsell of the, of the egg roll or the soup, or if you want wontons and then, you know, pizza was another fast one because you know, the, the slices were there. And that's when I start really looking at food courts in a different way about who did you want in there. And when you were talking about the ice cream, I don't know which slab one it was, but I remember the first time I went to one of them and it took them like two and a half minutes, three minutes to make your maker. And that's one person who can't do anything else because they're too busy slicing and dicing. And and I'm thinking, how does this work? Because you got to turn and you've got short windows. You know, if if it's lunchtime in a mall, you know, you want to be turning out people every, you know, minute or two. I remember some statistic that said that food court operators had about four seconds when somebody walked up to make the sale because that's about all they were going to give you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then it's funny too, when we're talking about food court, you know, Chick-fil-A, what a phenomenon. I mean, they weren't open on Sundays and yet most food courts I had, they were number one in sales by far. They were doing it six days a week, but a simple menu, very few products. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know when the last time you guys went to an Arby's, but <laughs> you you have to read the menu because there's 45 things on it. Yeah, it's like going <laughs> to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that takes 45 minutes just to read. The yeah, menu. they they just <laughs> added they just added hamburgers or something at Arby's, so they got yeah. you can get yeah. a gyro there, which arguably is not terrible. It's good. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But I haven't had their burgers yet. But well, yeah. and even even ordering just their old their their classic, you know. The classic roast beef sandwich, it's like there's four options within the same meal section. So it's like right. with the sandwich, do you want the, the the quarter pound, the half pound, the full pound, the whatever pound, the yeah, over, over. It's like the deluxe with the deluxe, lettuce and yeah, tomato. It's, it's and, just a, it, it adds yeah. so much more complexity and, and therefore probably time you know, and chances to screw it up. So, so. And then think about the, all the changes in the last 10 years where all of a sudden you can go in and you can get a – a really custom meal. I mean, if you think yeah. about all the salad, you know, uses the poke bowls and stuff, and sure. you know, it, it is a much, much more customized meal. But they, but those are things that they can fix quickly and keep you moving down the line. And well, just the you know, it's a, just the advent of the number of apps that are out there, and how many of those apps are on my phone, because I can I can plug it in and I can be there, but by the time my food's cooked, I mean I. Yeah, and and you're paying for it, so they don't have to stop and take off that plastic glove and make your change, and then, yeah. and then hopefully take off the plastic glove yeah, and yeah, make yeah. your change and go on yeah. to the next one, because uh, when someone pays cash, it slows them down. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, it's, it's I had a time. yeah, I had a retailer tell me that even though the apps cost money, they liked it because, like I said, they, when there's no cash crossing hands, it less chances of mistakes or less less temptation. Yeah, yeah. It just well, takes it lets them focus on what we really want them to focus on, which is getting food out the door. Right. Yeah. My uh, my brother who goes by hashtag Al. He uh, I remember him in high school working at a at a DQ or something. Yeah, like that. It was, it was a DQ. It was a DQ. Yeah. And he would, you know, he was the 16 year old that basically started to be in the manager because he was willing to rat out or or at least make sure everyone was good with their dollars based on the amount of mix that was getting used. And he's going, he's going, I, I can figure out the ratio here, guys. And I can tell when you're skimming, you know, yeah, he, he figured yeah. it, he, he understood portion control and charging people for the product. Yeah. So, so he, he was like 16 running that and trying to, trying to keep it, keep it going and, and run it for this. You yeah. Know. The owner owned a couple of them and, and yeah. he was, uh, less engaged. And so, <laughs> so when, uh, 
Dave's brother spun that up. He was, he was like a rock star. It's just like, man, whenever you're here, I have less problems and I make more money. Yeah. Funny enough. Yeah, go yeah. figure. <laughs> you know, well, so on that, you know, um, well, in the, kind of trying to segue here, but uh, thinking through like, I, I think, uh, you know, last time Don on our podcast, you shared a little story about Lane Bryant getting the smoky, uh, you know, leftovers for, uh, for the for the clientele, you know, from a from a side by side from one of your restaurants, I think if I remember the story correctly, is that is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny, but you know, a lot of these malls, they most of them pull their air in from somewhere up on the roof, and so if you have somebody who's cooking food, and we've all, uh, if you haven't done this, you just haven't been in the business long enough yet. You've had to figure out how once wood fired ovens became a thing for pizzas or barbecue. Uh, somehow they didn't like that smell coming back down into the store next to them. It, uh, yeah. You liked it where you were, but you didn't like it where you're closed. It, you know, you go to Lane Bryant and order, I'll take care of those barbecue jeans and maybe <laughs> one of the pizza blouses over there because everything had an odor to it. Yeah, they, were, they were less than thrilled with that. Yeah, my first, uh, I was probably, my, my first two weeks in the mall business, I'm the assistant manager at this big old mall and, and uh, I'll just make up a name. Janie's Fudge was next to the was next to the pet store, and the the pet store's HVAC went down, and so you were starting to get a certain je ne sais quoi coming into the mall, <laughs> and Suzette's Fudge wasn't selling a nickel of it. <laughs> well, I don't were, think I've shared the story before. I was when I was traveling once, we were on the road, and we were at Boulder, and we were eating at a fancy restaurant that was right next to a lush, and they had seating out front. And so we were there trying to eat a, a, it was a decent Italian meal, I think, but you couldn't taste it every, everything because it, it tasted like Lush smelled oh. because Lush stores have a strong odor. And, yeah. you know, when when that's the odor you're getting, it sort of overpowers the taste in your mouth when you went through. And we said, man, this is not the, this was not the experience we were hoping for. So, No, there's there's a lot of learning that went on in those in those food businesses. I remember getting to the corporate office and, there was a taco place across from us, you know, down a block or so. And it was in the kind of the start of these real authentic um, street taco kind of places. And I go in there and there is got to be 30 people in line, but I'm out of there in like eight minutes. I have never seen anybody yep. throw tacos together so fast and have it taste so good. And I just remember thinking we just need a field trip for all of our food court operators to come here and understand how it really needs to go, you know, how much, how, how fast you can really move if somebody's up there selling them. And this guy's, I speak Spanish, so I'm, I'm hearing some of their, their uh, kitchen personnel and this guy's yelling at him in Spanish and come on boys, move your hands. I got, I got these orders here and they're just, you know, all I, all I see is rear ends and elbows, people just moving and, and throwing tacos together. But it was amazing. I mean, fresh you homemade know, salsas. What, it, it is funny because it wasn't in a, in a mall, but we stopped for a, a lunch the other day with some friends and um, it was, it was poetry in motion. Whoever was walking by your table took care of whatever needed to be taken care of. If they saw an empty glass, well, actually I never had an empty glass cause they were always filling it up. I nice. mean, right. you know, if, if uh, they brought something back and I said, are you the person we'd asked for? I think we wanted more ketchup or something because you weren't the person who took the order. And they said, Oh, whoever's here, will do whatever you need. And I mean, it was just constant movement. But, um, I, we, we'd gone to this restaurant. It was the first time there. It had four and a half stars on Yelp with 3000 reviews. And I'm wondering 
wonder why that other one didn't like it because yeah. Yeah, what, it was poetry in motion. The food was good. And yeah. I actually found the manager and I said, you know, the training here has to be phenomenal. You got to package this up and take it on the road. And I can think of uh, a subway in particular <laughs> where we had a tremendous, uh, we had a poor manager, not, not the operator, but the manager of it. And when he left and they got in the next guy, I mean, their sales probably went up 25% because all of a sudden, Things were running like they were supposed to, you know, and there was little chatter going on. There was activity, you know, that you knew they were hustling. And I think we all like seeing that and we appreciate it um, when it's done right. Yeah, it's just amazing. Well, and, and you get the you get the true artiste, you know, the sandwich artist versus versus just the, the, the olive counter. I had a I, yeah. had, I had a subway operator once that he would meticulously count out five olives and then someone would ask, you know, for more. And he said, no, the sign says the way you want, not how much you want. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, that operator may or may not have gone to anger management counseling for throwing a canned <laughs> item at someone once upon a time. Allegedly. So, allegedly. No proof, but uh, may I'm, have. <laughs> I'm going to go off track here for a minute. Not This is the first time I've ever done it in all these podcasts. But I was at an ICS meeting in San Diego and decided to go on a on a party boat fishing that night after after the the classes well, that day yeah you don't, you don't drink them, so you're okay that's why it makes sense yeah yeah so one of the ladies that was in the same company i was she said i want to go i don't want to fish but she said i just want to go out on a boat ride and so uh, they gave her you know she paid 20 bucks or whatever and so she's out on the boat and we start heading out and she said uh, i said you want something to drink she said yeah she said i'd like a white wine so you're on a fishing boat. It does have a galley on it. And I go in, and the menu is painted on the doors, you know, the cupboard doors, which, you know, are fastened tight. And the menu is, you know, like hamburger, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it said, this ain't Burger King. You eat it our way or you don't eat it at all. And wine was not listed. And I thought, if I go up and ask this lady, do you have a, maybe a, a light? And I don't know anything about wine. But I thought, nah, I'm taking her back a beer. Because I think if I go ask for wine, it's going to make the rest of my trip very unpleasant. And so I, I went back. She said, you know, I said wine. I said, yep. And if you want to go ask them, you ask them. But I'm going to stay, yeah. going to stay right here and let this go this got. way. This is the only alcohol that wasn't isopropyl. <laughs> yeah. So, but so I thought, either, well, they called it like it was. It's either drink this or go blind. there's 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 another good story on that trip there was one guy that got drunk and he was just being so obnoxious and the mate uh, there was a lady mate on it she was also the cook so when we caught fish on the way in she was cooking something on there but this guy just got so obnoxious so obnoxious and he she finally went over and said if i have any more trouble with you i'm locking you in the head till we get back to shore he said "I'm, i'm tired of messing with you and uh he settled down a little bit and we're coming back in this is san diego and it was uh, it was at night and they were doing the fireworks at SeaWorld. Okay. And so this, this boat had like a four inch ledge on the side and he's sitting on the ledge and we're watching as we hit the waves and we watched his wallet work out of his pocket. <laughs> and so, you know, we're all sort of looking at each other like, you going to say something? You know, <laughs> no one said anything. <laughs> there was a lot of eye contact, but no conversation. And eventually it popped out of his wallet or out of his pocket. It's laying on that ledge. And so now there's a 50-50 chance it's going in the water or it's going in the boat. And we're still looking at each other like, you going to say anything? 
No one said anything. And next thing you see, plop, it goes in the ocean. <laughs> and it's like anybody else, I think anyone would have said anything, but this guy had been such a pain. Karma came back and got him on the way in. So, Karma's a bad one, dude. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You don't have your wallet. Hmm. Mm. I think it's about a quarter mile back if you want to go look for it. Yeah, so, it's, it's swimming with you know. the fishes. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's right. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, uh, what about, um, you know, I, I had, I think I might have shared a story. What about like just strange holes? You ever had any just strange things appear at the mall? Like I had one once where, you know, we, we started seeing like the the asphalt go away in this kind of spot. And I think I shared a story, but it turned out like all of a sudden it was a foot and then the two feet and then three feet. And we're just seeing clear water running. We're going, we, got to have a, we have a water leak. So we're trying to f- find this stuff. And we're calling all these the city water. And they go, no, it's private and we'll figure it out. So then we start digging it down and we find that the original install on the original pipe from this mall in 1982, uh, the the it was like a 45 Y clamp, and the it was missing a bolt or something like it had never been actually connected, so it had come loose and it was just going off. And I think we ended up digging down like I don't know 15 feet to to finally clear it. And sure enough, it was and when the when the water company came out to test the water because we're figuring this was a sewer pipe or something. Nope, it was crystal clear, matched all the city water to a T. <laughs> and it's like, well how long has this been leaking? And since it kind of went in at the Sears end of that mall's buildings, it was like no one knew it could have been leaking for decades. Ever. You know, like the, since day one. And we just had never caught it, never looked down at the right time to see water running. So Well, uh, projects that size, you know, there's always something going on. I was I ran a mall in uh, in the Quad Cities for um in uh, in Illinois and I got to know this guy that was a plumber and he says, Oh, by the way, that floor drain that's over in the in the vestibule and pennies, that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> they cover <laughs> they co- they covered well, it up and uh before we could get it hooked up and we just you know it's just i can just tell you it's not going anywhere so if if that ever backs up don't try to snake it <laughs> i'm sure they they changed it on the as built to show it properly oh yeah so you would have been okay yes so, yes yeah. I'm, that I'm was sure. a whole experience there too of as built and you know you're looking for something that's not where it says it's supposed to be and yeah yeah you, you go out there and it's like you like you got a divining rod and and you know the other thing is is that Holes could show up in a shopping center anywhere. I mean, we had sinkholes popping up uh, in the middle of a Sears. I mean, in the sinkholes, you know, 60 feet deep. And then they get that one all covered up and, you know, they throw a car in it and dirt and whatever else they put in it and jump (laughs) up and down on it and get it compacted. And then, you know, 150 feet later, another one blows up in the middle of that store. I mean, it was like it was like the thing was built on a on an Egyptian sarcophagus on, on top of some Indian burial ground. I mean, and it was just absolutely cursed. Well, and that, and because, that all survived several hurricanes, if I remember correctly, right? Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. every time I got hit by a hurricane and it didn't fall down, everybody in the corporate office is going, dang it. <laughs> this was in the Quad Cities? No, no, this, no, this oh. was a different one. This was in Florida. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't know hurricanes came in quite that far. <laughs> yeah, side, yeah no, the odd tornado occasionally, but but not a hurricane. But yeah, so, you know, sinkholes would just pop up in the middle of these things. So you're you're trying to run a shopping center, and now all of a sudden you got to figure out this mess. You know, okay, and I need a civil engineer. Said no one ever when I'm running a mall. <laughs> That's right. You know, and then all of a sudden, no, I actually need a, some civil engineering people come in here and figure this out. And then figure out how you're going to get it done while this store is not destroyed. 
Yeah. You know? How do you get that yep. much that much infill and yeah. stuff into the middle of your store? And, and well, keep, yeah, while you're still running an operating mall, you know, how do you block yep. all that off? How do you get all that dirt in? And uh, and yep. how do you do it in a way that that you know at least keeps everybody moderately happy? It's, there's just some insanity that we had to deal with. It, you know, you go home saying. You know, I went to business school and I, I, my attendance was pretty good. I don't remember any classes on this mess. <laughs> you know, like you, if you got employees fighting or something, you go, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I didn't miss a, a class where they explained how to deal with this kind of baloney. Well, you know, uh, there's nothing quite like using a backhoe to try to find a shutoff out in your parking lot. And you're, you know, you go where the as built say it is, and then you're 10 feet away, then you're 20 feet away, and you're 30 feet away. And you're carrying up asphalt and you're thinking, man, if they just taken the time when they built this to put it, you know, show you where it's supposed to be. And maybe if the manager before me hadn't paved over the cover, that would have helped me a little bit too, you know, but just uh, saying, you know, just saying, yeah, over time. Yeah. We had a, uh, it gets, gets a little, we had a, we had a transformer go South at that mall in Illinois. And so we now, and I'm gone. I'm not even in town. I'm coming back from, from another town three hours away and and uh i get in town and there's a message and hey you know so what happened was is the transformer goes down and it's for a department store and so we need to so what we did was we just ran telephone poles in the planners and, <laughs> and strung this high tension wire in and, and you know to be able to to power them back up we had a temporary transformer and whatnot so now we got to go put a, a real transformer in a new one and we go out there and you know your your conversation about backhoe jogged a memory so when you when you go to to trench they have a thing on the end of a backhoe it looks like a pizza cutter and they just kind of cut the asphalt and then they'll come back and dig it well they cut the asphalt with this pizza cutter and then they just went ting and they're hitting hard <laughs> like rock and so they tear up a bit of the asphalt and they're going, there's concrete under here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's the, it's the normal, it's the normal, uh, you know, cross section of, of asphalt and, and base and stuff, right. but, but down below it, it's concrete. And so I, I dial up the developers who still happen to be working for us. I said, pop quiz. <laughs> why do I have concrete under the asphalt and where is it? And how far does it go? <laughs> And they said, oh, yeah, funny story. <laughs> so um, when we were building that mall, the nearby river flooded. One of those 500-year floods that seems to happen about every other year. Yeah, it flooded all the way up into there, and we're trying to make our schedule. And so we we just popped in a bunch of, of uh, concrete to try to stabilize the soil so we could finish paving. And, yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no note on any as-built drawing. And I said, well, how far does it go? They're saying, oh, no, it goes quite a ways, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I had to reroute this transformer and, and put it in the middle of one of these fat islands, boulevard islands that we had as you drive, drive into the mall. It's the only place that you could put it that it, w it could barely fit, and it, and it wasn't terrible looking. But I, I notify the, uh, you know, the department store, and, and they're saying, oh, well, it doesn't look, it's not going to look very good in that, in that island. I said, well, how do you feel about those telephone poles that are up right next to you? your building because those are the two those are the two choices we have you know you want to come out here and chisel this concrete out we'll watch you do it but um this is what we this is what we got i got a transformer on a truck sitting here we need to plant it park it and wire it 
and uh, but yeah I, we were just lucky that that developer still worked for the company. Yeah, nobody, the rest, nobody would have known, oh, known no, that uh-uh. why, and you would have just been digging that for a life. Like no, it, it covered like a couple of acres, <laughs> you know, an extra development cost, just yes. a couple acres well, of concrete. That's amazing. You know, it's cheaper to just throw a bunch of slurry concrete in there and let it set up, and then we'll finish paving, going about our business. It was just crazy. That's awesome. When you were talking about holes, we had a gas station one time that uh, uh, the tanks had leaked. And uh, that's how you know it's a didn't... gas station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were redeveloping that land. And uh, that's when they found that the, there had been a leak. And so we had to hire a company to come in and remediate that. And there was so much gas fumes. And the, the, the uh, gas station had been closed for years and years that they would deep down like 15, 20 feet. And you could light the soil on fire because there was so much fume coming off it. Right, and I think the original estimate to do this was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the bloom just continued and continued. And, and I had a football field size hole, oh, which was in the oh. parking lot, and I mean they just kept digging and they kept finding more and more and more. And I mean you can't once you find it you can't stop. And so I mean yeah. it was a massive, massive undertaking. Wow. Look Every how, time I see that hole getting bigger, look how many friends you made at the EPA. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's an interesting story. When I was in uh, Richmond, Virginia, we had leased a gas station that had been closed forever. And I was doing the leasing then. And he wanted me to certify the tanks. And I knew nothing about certifying tanks. But I asked around, they said, there's three ways you can do them. One is you can fill them with product and see if they leak. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that's, that doesn't seem like the right one. idea. Yeah. The second one was you can uh, fill them with water and then monitor it to see if it leaks. But then you got to dispose dispose of the water as a uh, as a hazardous subject yeah. or su- yeah. uh, substance. Right. And the third one was you you fill them with air, you cap them, and in 24 hours, if you don't lose any air, you know they'll say the tanks are good. So I mean, I I would this is when I still worked for Judy, and I was pretty young in my career, and I went for option three because it seemed the most logical to me because if air is not leaking, water won't leak. So we did that. And they came in, opened up the station, and things were going just fine. And about two weeks, he comes in, and I don't remember where he was from, but uh, he had a heavy accent, and I, I really don't remember where he's from. I think he might have been Middle Eastern, but I don't remember. And he is excited. And uh, I got just enough words to understand that he said the tanks were leaking, that uh, he had lost, I uh, I can't remember what it was, you know, like ten or 15,000 gallons of, of fuel. And we were in a panic. And so the fire department came out and they're checking the, uh, uh, all the public water, you know, they're, they're checking the sewer lines and, and, uh, we were close enough to Washington. The EPA came out too. And so all of a sudden I had all these people on my property <laughs> and they're wanting to know, see my test, uh, my results from my testing of the pipe and, and the tanks. And I'm thinking, I wonder what my next job's going to be. And, you know, I'm just in a panic and, they're looking, they can't find any problem, can't find any problems. And this is back when they used to check those tanks with a stick. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. read the stick wrong. He hadn't <laughs> lost anything. And so the, you, know, the, you would have thought the first thing you did was go measure it again. You know, make sure you've measured it right. But he, 
he did something wrong in how he measured, and there was no leak. And, but oh. I had God and everybody out there going through that, and I just thought, I'm sure they're going to be fired for this. Yeah. because Yeah, I hope I still have the number day. for that truck driving school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't my finest moment. I was just in sheer panic, and there's something about EPA that just makes you think, oh. yeah, this can't end well. Yeah. It's it's like when they designate your uh, your runoff ponds as wetlands. It's don't call them wetlands. They're not wetlands. It's water that we're taking from our yeah. parking lot and putting. Well, this out is there a retention area. It's just a it's yeah. a holding area. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah, a yeah. natural sieve. Uh, That's, how did it become wetlands? Well, so, sometimes if they're trying to stabilize the parking lot, they'll bring in like crusher finds. You know, the limestone really finely mm-hmm. crushed. Yeah. Well, if any water gets in there. You end up with something like calcium hydroxide, oh. you know, as that leachate kind of goes underneath that and and filters through all that calcium and then it ends up in your retention pond and then it starts to bubble because, you know, its pH is not correct. It's not neutral. And <laughs> you're going, oh, no, <laughs> you know, we had a mall in New York when we built it. Uh, we had to have contain all of our water because it was a super fund and we couldn't let the water Right. So they lined them and they had this big, it was sort of like an aerator pump that was supposed to go around and keep the water turning and stuff. And someone stole the pump. Nice. And it was a very expensive piece of equipment. And uh, our cameras did not pick it up, but there was a, I think it was a Walmart camera across the street that showed a very distinct colored car truck leaving with something that appeared to be about the size of that. And it turned out that truck was registered to the person that worked for the company that installed that pump. And so uh, <laughs> thank goodness for CCTV because it became a much easier crime to solve when that was going on. But, yeah. you know, there's uh, there was, well, I'm sure we've all had properties where you couldn't dig without notifying someone because if you got below a certain level, you were getting into oh, yeah, soil yeah. that shouldn't yeah. be disturbed. Yeah, yeah I, I had one uh, one property where the entire expansion of the property, so it was about, I don't know, it was, it was like a 1.4 million square foot site on, I don't know, 60 acres, 65 acres. Well, like a, half of the acreage, so 30 acres, used to be the quarry, and then it became the dump, and then it became a shopping mall once the town got to it, you know, and an expansion happened to it. So they were telling me when they were developing the, the property – that they had to put caissons, you know, the big pillars, right. like 135 or 150 feet deep before they they hit something they could actually mount to. And when they're digging up the soil and stuff to do all the underground stuff, they're pulling out like couches and like 32 Fords and Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa. I think uh, <laughs> yeah, very possible in, in, in that particular yeah. town, very possible. But, yeah. I mean, all kinds of stuff. They had like – but I even think that the office had a old bottle or a cap or something that had come out of there too. And then every building they installed, they had to install the methane gas barrier under every building. So I, if I had to do any kind of, you know, any kind of uh, pad work, it was going to be a full membrane EPA view – visit because we had to keep all this gas out of coming up into the building and just making it really bad if it got on fire so it's you know but but you know the site the site had lived its three lives it was a quarry way outside of town then it became the trash dump for the big city and then it became you know middle of the metro in a big old shopping center after yeah when we started to develop some of those brownfield sites i mean it was it was it would get interesting 
you know, what chemical used to be there, what machine parts are still buried under there somewhere. And, and, uh, you don't really know all the ramifications of that, I mean, they, they do the best they can to certify it, but still that's all fine and good unless you get a sinkhole or you get something else that goes South that, that just wakes up the monster. Yeah. Yep. Well, I remember when the, when the law was passed that they had to take underground storage tanks and remove them, even if they'd been abandoned, even right. if they'd been filled with concrete, you still had to take them out. Oh, wow. And, right. and then they were buried in a different landfill. And I kept thinking, if there's no leak, you know, it, it, it was one of those laws that you just go, yeah, it sounds sort of good. Like, you know, you want to make sure that you don't have those because over time those tanks would disintegrate and you could have a, you know, a failure in the soil above it. But I don't know, to dig them out and then just move them someplace else to bury them because they used to fill them with sand or whatever just to keep them in place. But yeah. there was a, when those laws changed, they changed that. Yeah, it's kind of like the guy, the comedian that talks about you got a log truck going this way and he meets a log truck coming the other way and he goes, wait, you know, we could have solved this with a phone call. Have you got logs? Oh, we, got, <laughs> we got logs. And That's right. Have you, have you got right. a tank? Yeah, well, we don't have a tank over here, but now we do. And it's just like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Great. That's awesome. Well, then we've all had to deal with asbestos. Or radon, and, uh, yeah, or, radon. or, PC, yeah. or PCB, uh, what, what are they called, PCBs? Poly yeah, in the, the transformers. Yeah, poorly coordinated biphenyl. Yeah, all of those were yeah. fun. Uh, I had to remediate a bunch of radon. In a, we had a shopping center that was built on a granite quarry, and apparently one of the side effects of granite is radon. They've got a bunch <laughs> of it there. And, I mean, so, you know, we have to do this complete remediation and fill all the cracks and then test, and you've got, you know, blowing systems that get, you know, evac the air. And I mean, just a major exercise. Hmm. Well, I think we had a mall in Flor Florida that had, uh, had uh, asbestos in the roofing material. Yeah. But as long as you didn't mess with it, it was okay. I mean, you had to, you know, when you were having to uh, do any work on the roof, but uh, it was in Miami a hurricane passed there was a tornado nearby and it lifted the roof and dropped it so oh, no. you know it yeah so then the whole building had to be because once it was made friable once it got in the air yeah that created all sorts of problems now wow you, now you i don't re center. contain the whole place and remediate yeah i don't wow. remember how that worked out but you know, now that I'm talking about it, it might have been nice because it might have been an insurance claim after that instead of yeah. just, a, just a, you know, capital repair. Yeah, but, turn, uh, turns that capital problem into a, uh, an insurance yeah. claim. Just, That's just the mediation alone on that. I mean, I think about just the amount of stuff you do to get rid of the mastic behind the mirror during a construction project as you turn over mm -hmm. to tenants and just the amount of, you know, securing and make sure and all the stuff that they just do for that 25 square feet of mastic and it's you know that'd be a, that'd be amazing on a whole mall that'd be a, that'd be an unbelievable project did either of you ever have a project that was hit by a tornado or a major disaster mm, i just had a building collapse a piece of it um i don't think i ever had any tornado but we had a couple of near misses but i i don't think i had anything actually hit it no nah, mine mine was more snowstorm where i had uh, you know huge drifts and i think it was five feet of snow in three days and fell and sort of shovel in the roof and i only had to do you know two or three big beams inside of a grocery store because 
you know, 45 pounds per square foot is not really compatible with 24 pounds per foot build rating. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I forget where it was in the last week, but I saw where a parking deck had collapsed at a at a mall. Oh, that's actually, my old mall. Oh, is it? That's actually it. my old mall. So, oh, was it yeah, really? Of was, all places, oh, oh, my mall. I was going to yeah, look that yeah, up because yeah, I thought that yeah, might be yeah, yours. It was, it was my old mall. Yeah, yeah. yeah in fact, in fact, uh, me, uh, me, my my the former GM and my former my former director there. And my old OS manager were all, none of us work there anymore, but we were all texting and going, holy cow, have you seen this? What's going on? And we're all going, I wonder how they were piling their snow during that snowstorm. Like, hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like, were they were they paying the money to get that thing off of there in the right way, you know? And so, yeah, it doesn't sound yeah, like it. Based on, based on the collapse of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was, I got that one. That one was a surprise. I got a text message from my old officer. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. He still lives. Well, in the on area. the bright side, no one was no one was injured. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, they yeah, could have, they no. could have pancaked somebody into that thing. Oh, that oh been, yeah, it would have been uh, very well, I think, bad. I, I think two cars were under it, Ooh. and uh, so I'm I'm suspecting they're getting new cars now yep. or something at a minimum. Uh, at a minimum. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus, plus, guess what? It was the entry ramp, which means if your car's up on top and you were say at the university there or at your office there ain't no way to get your car down <laughs> yeah bring it bring in a 50-ton crane and just lean over and get it so so in fact that that actually that that parking structure there was a there i came into work one day and there was an emergency in there and it like the um it has a big nice elevator in it and, and stairwell and all that stuff anyway one of the one of the things that they had done with that is they had installed a um a battery backup in in series so it had a it had a, a, a battery room that was attached to the transformers and everything where if anything failed, it would it would be able to run all the elevator and all the emergency lights and, and everything on that on that thing. And anyway, all these batteries were in series and it was like a bay of sixty batteries in series. And they're big honking marine batteries that are in series. And uh, and then we have this fire. So all these batteries are on fire. <clears throat> Um, oh, and, no. and I'm rolling in like, you know, my office manager's there and we're just going like, what the, and the fire department's like right on it. Somebody saw it right away. And so we were able to get in there real quick and get it put out. Well, we clear it like 45 minutes later, it's all put out. Luckily, no structural damage, no issues to the elevator, no nothing. Like it's all contained in the room, but we're, we have our electrician on site and he goes in after the, the fire department's kind of poking around and we're looking around and he pulls out a tail with just a little bit of fur on it, and and what we believe happened was a pretty good sized rat got in and arced himself on two batteries and lit it up. <laughs> and so we had, we had the we had the rat tail as proof that you know you can't make this stuff up. Like, oh, no, like, I had I had a squirrel go across the transformer at a Montgomery Wards and and just fried the transformer, <laughs> or and and then you know they would regularly get a voltage spike. And and it was they took, we figured out it was squirrels getting bug zapped up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a true story. And that's that was in the early days of them putting putting uh, computers in mall in in stores, right? So that we had a drugstore, and they're telling us, yeah, you've got a bad power problem, and we figured out that they struck their own ground in, and if you do that and you don't bond it to the to the ground for the building it creates a difference in potential between those two. It's like putting a battery across the, you know, a couple of terminals on the computer 
and the thing just rolls over on its back and dies. <laughs> so so they, they didn't ground it properly, and they were purposely blowing up their computers. Yeah, yeah. So, awesome. I mean, the power company come out and, and give you this lecture on how you're supposed to, you need to bond every ground that is in there to the main building ground, hmm. because otherwise you have a difference in potential. You know, it's funny, but talking about all this made me think of, you know, Judy was saying when we had Judy on, that people ask, what's, you know, what degree do you get to be able to, you know, become a mall manager? And, and think about these things we're talking about. I mean, <laughs> you probably didn't have to deal with them the first week you were there, but somewhere along your career, you found that. And whether it's smoky back, not smoky back, but exhausting back from uh, uh, parking decks, you right. know, and, and, and that is a real problem and an issue. You're talking about load levels. Uh, you're talking about dirty power coming into your center. Yeah. And uh, nothing. Nothing better than a mall that was only fed from one location. <laughs> but then when you had two locations, a lot of times that only meant half the power still had mall and the other half didn't, you know. And I mean, well, when you think about when malls were first built, there was a big learning curve there about how this was all going to work. And then, you know, as they expanded, not, you know, you, you got different systems. Uh, I can remember trying to tie in uh, fire uh, life safety systems, you know, that uh, when you expanded it, it wasn't like you drop in another module and just make it, you know, cover the next area. And, and it, it was a challenge for these cities too. You know, we, we, uh, we both worked for a company one time that I understood when they were building a big mall, uh, they actually went in and bought the city computers and trained the city people on how to, you know, they were sending plans on in files instead of what they had been used to before. Cause if you think about it, if you're a small city and all of a sudden you've got a, major million, two million square foot mall coming in, you know, there's a whole expertise level there that they probably didn't have either. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and a lot of times those smaller, those smaller communities that are, that are pairing up with the mall are, are mortgaging their future on the success of the mall mm -hmm. as well. I mean, the, what my, I had one mall that the metropolitan area was like about a million people, but the town that put the mall in and made the investment in the parking garages and stuff was only about 12,000. And so it was like they they were waiting for that TIF fund to pay off so that they they could jump the uh, budget on the on the, uh, the the PD and fire up to where it needed to be because because they had that fund paying off and it was like oh man once once we get done we're gonna have this really great police force it's like well that's that's several years away <laughs> you know yep. we, still, we still have to operate it right now so yeah it was yep. real really interesting that might be a hot minute yeah yeah all the things well, that people had to learn you know we were building. Uh, sewer plants uh, where they where they didn't have one and we're, or we're building a you know a water tower or you know I remember we had to the, there wasn't in a, there wasn't enough a water pressure there was plenty of volume but there wasn't enough water pressure to pressurize the second level of the mall so we built this big honking pump house out there it had a 75 horsepower electric pump and whenever the uh Whenever the alarm went off, that sucker'd kick on, and it's just, it's just kind of humming and vibrating out there and glowing in the dark, like it's going to start blowing pieces of pipe off. And so, you know, and there's no training for us. We got to figure out that, all right, if that goes off, we know there's not a fire. Somebody run out there and turn that stupid thing off before it kills all of us. Yeah, you know that's well, I, what a mess. I had two malls at different times that had uh, water tanks, water towers because they had to pump water up at night to, for that very reason that you were talking about. There wasn't enough pressure during the day to make it work. Yeah. You know, the, 
and and when you think about this industry, 50s and 60s is when that started. I mean, it's 40 and 50 years old now, but that's still pretty incredible to think about. Uh, well, just the complexity and, and just the shift in utilities. I mean, the three of us probably laughed till we were blue in the face at the Super Bowl in New Orleans that had the power go out in half at halftime. Yeah. You know, like where they had a 55 minute yeah. delay because those those uh, metal halide you know, lamps, they got to cool off. To cool off and then reheat up. Yeah. And it was like, well, that's going to take a while. They're like, no, no, they'll just flip it back on. It's like, no, no, no. that's not how that works. <laughs> and I, I remember watching yeah. that Super Bowl and thinking, I know exactly who the manager of that building is because when they'd scan the field, there was one dude in a suit and tie with two walkie talkies. And you're like, I know who he is. And And he's thinking the same thing that I did that day where wonder what I'm going to do at my next job. (laughs) Yet he had nothing to do with it. He's like, so this is purgatory. I thought it'd be hotter. Yeah. And then my my, yeah. my, my dad are, my, my dad and I are talking about it the next day, and the first thing out of our thoughts was, "Well, that's going to be an interesting demand spike." <laughs> <laughs> you just fired them yeah. all up at the same time, like go go go. Okay, this okay. is going to be interesting. So let's see what your peak demand looks like. Yeah, and my uh, my sister in law actually went to that Super Bowl because she, she was living in New Orleans, and she just she was like, "I was the only one there looking around, like all these with all these tourists going." This is actually a very New Orleans thing to have happen. So, you know, I I didn't shower in my shower for like a full week because there was a bacteria in the water supply. So this seems like normal, actually, for New Orleans. Like if we're hosting the Super Bowl, this is what should happen. But yeah. Well, and and, and there's things like that where like, um, you know, like there's a time where like I remember having – you know, my whole mall up and running, and then we, you know, we'd lose a transformer or some issue would happen down the line that's not even on property, not even our own accord, right? The power company. And, you know, only one wing, only the lower level of one wing, because I had six major mains in. So the, the AC is running great, and, you know, the whole building's up and running, except for like lower level, you know, these 12 stores are, are out. And so it's, you know, it's a different complication where they're calling you up and going, well, oh, we can't make any sales. We don't have any. It's like, well, you need to call the power company because in this one, we actually don't have control, which is why you can see the rest of the mall is open and you're not. It's not because we're purposely trying to close you down. You know, though there's probably a couple of tenants on that run. I might have appreciated, but, but you know, this is funny. You, you know, it just made me think it. Uh, and this is only apply to people who, no shopping centers, but you always have your emergency evacuation plans and, you know, where, where you're assigned to depending who you have on because the staffing levels change, you know, different times of day and night. But uh, my joke used to be is that we ought to do evacuation plans based on sales per square foot. So <laughs> if you were above, you know, we'd notify the people who had the highest sales per square foot first. And, you know, then we'd start working down the list. And, you know, once you hit about the medium, you know, you get out of the building. You know, the other ones, if they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. Now, I never could get that adapted anywhere, but I just thought it would be an encouragement to get people to get their sales up because, you know, you're below the mall average, just so you know. Yeah, here's just... here's the benefits you get when you get above mall average. You, know? yeah, we're, we're you just... get notified of emergencies on a timely basis. We're but... culling the herd, baby. We're just culling the yeah. herd. <laughs> good good yeah. news. You get you get the insurance payout, and, and we don't have to deal with it anymore. We're good. It's all going to be good. Well, it's always the wild uh, radio call that you get. I mean, like I remember I was standing next to, to the mall secretary, and she's got a base station radio mic there, and we get a call that some guy's near the ATM and he's clutching his chest and she radios the, the 
the ops director says, hey, are you out in the mall? There's a, there's a guy next to the ATM clutching his chest. And he radios back, it's me. I just looked at my balance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she, she says, well, are you going there? He says, yeah, I'm running now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I'm sure we've all got stories, too, about defibrillator saving lives. I mean, when you talk about that, because if you have millions of people going through your properties, there's going to be things that are going to happen. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of fun. We, we've covered this on an earlier podcast, but, uh, you know, there's been a lot of times where because we had those and we had trained security on, I used to laugh that in most of the properties I had, we had more security per square foot than anybody else in the whole city. I mean, sometimes you had off-duty police officers, but you had people that were had at least some level of training. Yeah. to be able to respond to emergencies. If you and weren't in a hospital. It, a lot of those emergencies were just, a lot of times were just medical or just simple stuff. Yeah, if you weren't in a hospital, best place to get a heart attack is in the mall. They at least have defibrillators. Right. And, yeah. and the PD and the EMTs can get there very quickly, and they usually have prior knowledge of how to get there. So. Yeah. yeah well, no, we, we've, we've all done those training exercises, and it became yeah. more and more prevalent. But uh, they know back hallways. They know where your shutoffs are. I mean. Attack and I loved it. Yeah, I loved it when they started to, as computers came into being, you know, they would they would pull up your property as they're going to the scene, the fire department would. And, you know, they, they knew exactly where to go and what to do. And if you were talking to them, you could help them. And, I mean, the technology, and I know that's uh, that technology has been near and dear to at least one person on this podcast here. Yeah, big time. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the level of... Uh, transparency we had and ability to monitor systems and you know update information it, it was wonderful yeah it, it, it's really been an improvement and and i and, and you know it's even spearheaded a lot of just total like environmental savings right like where we were able to get systems in place that we could lower how much power we used or i mean heck the malls in arizona we would band together and we'd We'd basically stop the rolling blackouts that were about to hit the, you know, the power company hit us, hit us up and say, "Hey, we're gonna reach reach max demand here at five o'clock. At three, can you guys go into demand shed?" And so we'd juice up our stuff, get it cooler in the mall, and then we'd hit this button, and it would just lower the demand like exponentially. And then about it would go for about four hours. And at the end of the four hours, it'd get a little warm in the mall, and then and then we'd slowly bring it back up afterwards. But there's a several years where where I think we would have had rolling blackouts throughout all of at least eastern Phoenix, um, and and the malls band together and we shedded just thousands of kilowatts an hour of yep. demand, you know, just off right off the top and 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 it was great, right? We saved helped save the community, help help to help to it, but but we had systems in place that we were able to do it with that really could control how much demand we had and how how much we could prepare and how quickly we could make a change change on it which is pretty pretty interesting. No, I've seen all that technology happen over the years. I mean, we went from when we first get into the malls, everything's a mechanical timer and mechanical relays and you know, we look we look like some 60s industrial park to to having highly sophisticated systems by the time I got to the end of my career. Well, just think about how uh, we changed how we powered up malls and you know, you stage and so you don't hit right. the peaks and I mean, yeah, slow slow start, slow warm-ups and and, and and trying to utilize the shoulder and off peak demands to, to do your pre cooling or, or your or your warm up and 
you know, not having security start all of your escalators at the same time, you know, rotate around. Why don't you do them every 15 minutes? It'd be great. Let's open them up for an hour. Let's get, you know, get it going. So you're not firing them all up, you know. Well, I sure hope we have some operation people listen to this and want to come on and share their own story. And for the leasing people, uh, I, I would imagine this has to be an eye-opener for them because I think sometimes people don't understand the complexity of the job that you're you're dealing with. You know, when you're when you're managing them all, because I mean, we've sort of gone soup to nuts here now. You know, from yeah, yeah. Uh, store relations and uh, and uh, operations and environmental well, adaptability. <laughs> adaptability mean, is really a key, you know, trait that you've got to either have or develop. You, you've got to adapt on the fly in the moment, and it's it's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and that's but that's also what made the job so much fun, though. Too, I mean, right. that was the part that. You know, it, it wasn't uh, there. There wasn't a constant level of predictability. There were some things that you were sure, you know, would happen, but no, there used, was always a thing. It was like, yeah, never saw that coming. I used to call the yeah. senior vice president up to tell him what the problem du jour was, and, <laughs> and 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 for commiseration with me, he would just simply say that I should be paying him for the education I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stu- yeah student athlete and, right i think that's your you did, title student athlete yeah <laughs> and i hope you said that you should be paying me more for having to learn this because yeah. if there there is a lot of on-the-job training and i mean i can't re- I, I tell you what i can think back fondly on some contractors that had the patience of Job to, to explain things to me everything from roofing systems to water flow and you you think that wouldn't be a big problem but uh had them all in uh, New York with a, a huge groundwater problem. And, uh, I mean, it it was phenomenal what it took to, I mean, just to keep that from becoming an issue because some of the tenants had basements. And, uh, yeah, you those, know, when those, you've got – Those pumps go out and stop pumping, then yeah, water yeah. fills that. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. I sure didn't know any of it and to, and to learn it. I always loved when some new product came out for floors, though, or they said they could clean anything. And for those of us that had terrazzo floors, they were durable. But if you did get a stain in one, there was no way that stain was coming out. I mean, or at least I never could find it. And then I'd always have someone say, oh, we've got something that can do that. And I said, you know, you come out and you show me and I'll buy it. You know, Prove it. They're breaking a, yeah, they're breaking a sweat trying to figure out. <laughs> but they told me it would take off anything. anything. Yeah, not taking that, is it? So. It's, it's like that Napoleon Dynamite movie where he's trying to sell the, the indestructible Tupperware and he runs it over with the van. Yeah, it says indestructible except if you run over with the van. So it's kind of the same thing. Well, that makes you think of a of a uh, a Tesla truck where the windows weren't supposed to break. And he threw a ball bearing at the TV. <laughs> on a live brook. Yeah. Yeah, right live yeah. on live on the show. And yeah. now, oops. Yeah. So, wouldn't you have loved to seen what happened once the cameras quit rolling? <laughs> yeah. There was yeah. there had to be heck to pay somewhere. There, there was well, probably some marketing manager somewhere going, and this is why we don't do things live. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's like Bill Gates getting up there and on Windows ninety eight and somebody plugs a peripheral in and he gets blue screen of death in front of <laughs> You know, eighty million people. We're all going. Yeah, yeah Bill. That's, see, it is that's hard. It. That's the one. Ninety-eight sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the, I remember one time when we were in North Carolina. Uh, we went past a, a competitor's mall, and all their parking lights were off. And I'm sort of saying, 
<laughs> Look at that. You know, they're having trouble. This. And then I get a call two seconds later and all my parking lot lights are off too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I probably should have been a little nicer to her thinking, oh, you're having terrible problems instead of thinking, uh-huh. oh, good, this is going to be good for me. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's yeah. Like, nah, Inst- so schadenfreude is not, a, not good for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Oh, yeah. well, this has actually been a really fun conversation, really great. And, uh, man, who knew from retailers down to, to operations, but it is a soup to nuts kind of a business and one that um, I think, Don, you've said you had a you have an inch of experience across a mile versus a mile of depth across an inch. So it's uh, yeah. about knowing a lot about a little or a little about a lot versus a lot about something small. So um, I think it's been great. But I've appreciated the time. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. Hey, great time. Thanks for Thank having you. me again. Yeah, we'll have to have yeah. you back. And Don, always good to c- connect. And uh, uh, for all you out there listening, catch us on LinkedIn. Catch us on, in- on Instagram at that mall guy. And uh, we're going to work on a couple more ways to have you connect with us, uh, get us some questions and answers. Yeah. And we'd love to hear we, from we, anybody. We'd love to hear your stories too. So please, please, you know, reach out and uh, let's get you on the show. Yeah, thanks. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time. 